I'm Sean Bowles, and I want to welcome you to Exploring the Prophetic Podcast. I have a passion for how the prophetic gifts can change the world around us. They make simple, everyday people like you and I a catalyst for life-changing experiences with the supernatural. On this podcast, I have friends from all different backgrounds who each have a powerful story to tell about how the prophetic is shaping their world. I invite you to be part of the conversation. This is Exploring the Prophetic. Hey, welcome today to Exploring the Prophetic. I am loving some of the episodes we've had for season two, and this is one of them. I have Pastor Bill Johnson on today, and Pastor Bill is a spiritual father to my wife, and I, him and his wife, Benny, are just so special. They married us in our wedding. They have been with us in so many key times through my my own planting of a church in Los Angeles and belief center for all our, our dreams so far. Every time we have any kind of special dreaming kind of sessions, I was running by Bill, and he just immediately does something. He just takes some sort of step to connect me to somebody to pray into him, even give him financially towards him. He's just such a, a true man of God. Like when you hear the word man of God, I feel like it describes, and also woman of God for Benny, it describes people who are walking in the presence of God. And so much of what Bill's done has required him to hear deeply and greatly of God, but he lives a lifestyle that's just so connected to the presence of God. And I think we'll see that when we're talking today is that he can't separate talking about the prophetic without talking about being in the presence. And that's unique and that's special in our generation. We need people to think about the prophetic in context to relationship connectedness in the presence of God. And there's some people who will prophesy things that you know, or negative or judgmental or whatever. And you could tell sometimes in their prophesying these things, the lack of connection they have to people into God's heart, because they can say things flippantly that feels like it's outside of a, a relationship or a personhood. It's more of a principle or a violation of scripture or whatever. And there's not this deeply rooted, grounded thing of, I'm going to see the nature of God built and I'm going to see the presence of God increase. And I'm spending my life on that. And I feel like Pastor Bill and his wife, Benny, have pioneered something where it's very, not just presence-driven, but it's presence-centric or presence-centered in a way that's an example to us. I remember years ago, uh, some people were asking me, where do you see God the most? What, like, Where on the earth have you personally encountered the most? And I had to think back on my times of diff- different revivals and places I've gone to, places, cities of transformation, these kinds of things. And I've had some incredible experiences with the presence of God. But honestly, time and time again when I go to Bethel, especially when it's not a conference season or conference time, I've just experienced God in Reading because of that church over and over because of Pastor Bill and Benny's special emphasis on connection with them. That's just their lifestyle that they brought into a region where 10,000 people go to their church. And it's like, you know, there's only a hundred thousand people in the city. So it's a significant impact on the local, you know, economy, the local government, the local education system. And they teach those, those things of principles, those, those principles of, of influencing culture, you know, some mountain type type stuff, but they do it from this place of, of, knowing God and connecting to his presence and inhabiting his presence in your city. So it's been so encouraging to, through the years, get to know Bill and Benny. And I just know you're going to love this interview. If you haven't heard Bill and more of an interview style, you're going to really enjoy this because he's just so organic. He's so natural. He's so, so wonderful and kind. And so I'm encouraged about this interview. I hope you are too. Right before we go into the interview, I want to encourage you to listen to this. We have a special offer for you. Have you ever thought about developing a lifestyle of words of knowledge? Well, I have an eight-week e-course on this 
called God's Secrets, and this is developing a lifestyle of words of knowledge. And I'm going to take you through teaching, activations, impartations, even quizzes to understand what words of knowledge are and how to have a biblical-based approach to applying these in your everyday life. I want to encourage you, download it now. You can do it online at your convenience over eight weeks, and it's going to change the way you think about the prophetic. Go to bowlsministries.com or www.courses.bowlsministries.com. Join me next time where we explore the prophetic together. Well, today on our Exploring the Prophetic podcast, we have one of my favorite human beings in the entire universe, and I don't say that like lightly at all, but Pastor Bill Johnson. Bill, you're on the air with us. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. It's, all, it's a privilege to be with you anywhere. So uh, this <laughs> I, is good. I'm glad. I would return that compliment to you 100%. Yeah. Thanks. Thank you. <laughs> and we get to every once in a while, we get to intersect on the road and travel places. Sometimes when people invite me and your name's attached, I'll go just because of you and then turn my love on towards <laughs> them. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I, I do the same. So I'm, <laughs> I honestly am thrilled, as I've told you in private, I'm, I'm thrilled every chance I have oh, man. To, to be with you, see what God's doing in you and through you. So encouraging to me. Well, I'm, I, yeah, I'm so I grateful learned so for much your participation in my industry's life because you've helped us to form faith that is changing our world. You know, it's just been amazing. So, but we're ta- here to talk about you and this whole podcast, we're exploring how God's voice impacts our life and then the world around us. And just because a lot of times when people hear about the prophetic, it's so ominous and it's so huge and it's so out there versus like, I mean, some of your stories, you just tell these one like sentence stories sometimes that are so profound about something God showed you or did. And I think you help model just as a man how normal and common it is as a Christian to expect to hear from God and expect results or expect action from God. And I mean, the whole thing about heaven invades earth, you know, your first book that everybody, the whole world went, what? That's what I want. You know, so, so let's, let's kind of go into the story because you've had some interesting, not just interesting, but historic times that God's moved you or moved your family or spoken to you guys. Do you want to take us on a journey of one of those stories? Um, well, <laughs> Um, a, a geographical move was from Weaverville to Reading, and the Lord had uh, just things in Toronto were exploding, and and I had gone back there and, and uh, didn't have any unique experiences for me, but but I knew I had seen and tasted of what God was wanting to release into the whole earth, and I I just you know I just kind of prayed. I said, God, I I I I'm saying yes to this, and. Uh, over the, over the next few months, the Lord began to speak to us very clearly about moving to Reading. And, um, and that was not something that was in our heart. We, we were in Weaverville, a small town, but we loved it. We figured, you know, we could ambush the devil from there because nobody expected anything <laughs> from that little place, you know. And uh, awesome. not, even, not even the devil was nervous about Weaverville. So <laughs> we, we felt like we had somewhat of an an advantage, honestly, we we did, and uh, so. But anyway, the long story short, the Lord made it very, very clear um, that we were to come to Reading, and it wasn't. It was sometimes, sometimes you you know that you can't stay where you are, and it, there's an unsettled feeling that only He can give. It's not a restlessness in a sense of, you know, I want things to change. Um, it wasn't that at all. It was the Lord just made it clear this is no longer home and uh, that he had been preparing us for this assignment. 
And, uh, you know, we had a lot of uh, prophetic words and all of that to confirm it, which is always helpful for me. Oh, yeah. But, uh, but the, the battle was fought. The, fought was, the battle was fought first just in my own heart because I, I really loved where I was. And, uh, and I've never considered the size of a church or size of a town to be an indication of promotion. Um, I, I don't think, personally, I don't, I don't know that he thinks that way um, with, with just size and numbers. Yeah. I, there was a weightiness of God that I wanted, and for me, that was the promotion. And, uh, and so anyway, he, he, he brought us here, and um, all hell broke loose and all heaven broke loose, and it was a glorious, <laughs> it was a glorious thing. What was yeah. the landscape of writing yeah. when you first got there? Like for you, what I mean, what was the church like? What were you walking into? Well, the church, the church is a, was a great church, and the previous pastor was a really good man. He was a friend of mine. He's very, very gifted. We are gifted very, very differently, but just the nature of the church was just built different than I could build. I, I tried to honor every ministry they had going, and every one of them, one by one, died. When I got there, wow, and uh, which was kind of awkward because I was hoping just to kind of continue the legacy of what they had built, but it just wasn't working. And uh, there's a lot of uh, special events and uh, you know musicals and and you know that kind of stuff. And uh, and so I tried, I tried to keep it going. I, I just it just didn't live under my leadership. And we ended up losing uh, probably around a thousand people. Wow. Um, you know, church growth at its finest, you know. <laughs> How so, many people were in the church when you got there? Yeah, a, a couple thousand. So okay, about so half. We yeah. lost about half. So, wow. Yeah. So, um, but, you know, God began to show up in a way that was so, I had ached for my whole life. Wow. And it was like, oh, goodness, it was like you can take everybody away. And if I, and if I still have him coming the way he is, I'm happy. Oh, I love that. And it wasn't, uh, yeah, it really was that way. It was, it was that he became so clearly manifest. The miracles, of course, were just extraordinary. You know, to have a lady born deaf, you know, in her 40s here for the first time, to be in the room when that mm. happens was just so extraordinary. So many things, you know, the wheelchair empties with a, a gal that was crippled from a stroke for 38 years and to have her daughter in the room that have never had a mom that could interact with her because of that stroke be a part of her life and to have her just sob because her mom's up and walking and, <laughs> you know it's just it's those kinds of things they just they just mess you up and it doesn't really matter how many people are in the room as long as god shows up that really you know i want i'm a pastor i want to care for people and uh don't don't ever want to just insult them or something but i I was so thrilled with God being there that it, nothing else really mattered. I, I believe me, I love that. It's one of the things I was attracted to the first time I came. Is that for me? I came in two thousand six and connected you guys, and you were so generous to right away. We were meeting the whole weekend. I was there, and I remember just thinking, like, this is God's best kept secret because I'd been all over the world, and I hadn't participated. I wasn't there during a conference. I was there just during a weekend, you know, and I hadn't participated with a church that just had God in their culture, <laughs> that sounds so terrible, but God in their culture of like everything they were doing, like his presence was just manifest, whether it was like 
even your admin team, like your admin team, like totally blessed me from the moment I got there and we're just normal and just was really beautiful. And so I remember there's like different, um, Christian television agencies contact me and saying, do you know anywhere that God's moving that we can go and capture? And I said, you should go to Bethel and Reading because it's just their way of life. It's not like you have to go for an outpouring service three nights a week, just go and see what they're doing and videotape it. And they didn't get it. They were like, well, that doesn't make sense. That's just like a that's neat that that local church has something going on. I'm like, no, you don't understand. Like they have a revival culture, which is something that you guys have branded that kind of term revival culture. But how did you go right, from like right. those beginning days of it's presence centric to, I mean, now, now it's history. Like everybody, I feel like the whole world has Christian world, at least has seen something or they've heard something, whether positive or negative about Bethel, you know, you're on the map of, of Christianity now, but how did it go from a place of like presence to a place of really the message about influencing culture, influencing influencers, seeing the kingdom of God. That was your original message that I think blew, blew apart traditionalism. But tell, tell us about that. You know, the, the whole transforming culture, that whole part of our life uh, actually started in Weaverville. I mean, we started wow. st studying that. The whole concept of the kingdom of heaven being leavened, that launched me onto a journey. And so we always had that as the backdrop, understanding that this is God's intent, that he's got, he's got a dream, two sides of the same coin, a glorious church and the earth filled with his glory, mm. a spotless bride and the earth filled with his glory. And, um, and so we've, we've just kind of kept that as a, as a mandate. So when, when the outpouring <clears throat> began here in Reading, it was, it was very natural for it to have that sort of an expression. And <clears throat> what we don't want to do is make our assignment more important than giving place to his presence. Wow. We, we want the assignment to be an expression of him being with us. And uh, always, always in that priority. You know, he says, seek first the kingdom and all these things will be added to you. I don't want to make the things, the, uh, the results of him showing up, the results of our pursuit of him to become the priority. I don't want them to capture my affection more than just my pure adoration and love for him. That's so so that's, the, yeah, that's the journey, you know, that's the journey that all of us are on is not allowing, not allowing his work to distract us from his person. And, uh, and we get to enjoy both. It's not either or, but it's, there is a priority. You know, I don't, I just, I don't want to sacrifice my awareness of him so that I can get something done. I, I want it to flow out of that. So that's what we work at. We, we try hard to maintain that. Wow. Well, tell me this. Tell me um, one of the first times that, and it might have been Weaverville, where your awareness of his presence became your priority. Well, um, I was in Weaverville for 17 years, but I was with my dad here in Reading for five years before Weaverville. And my dad taught a series on worship out of Ezekiel on the ministry of the inner court, the outer court. Oh, wow. And I bowed my head at the end of one of those messages, and I prayed, and I said, God, I give you the rest of my life to teach me this one thing. Because wow. I realized I had heard the message that defined why I was alive. I was to be a person of the presence. So, and so it started there. It started there wow. the entire time in Weaverville. That was the priority, was to give him first place, to learn to cooperate with him. Uh, sometimes there were powerful meetings. Sometimes it was just a good try. 
but it was uh, but it was always <laughs> it was just a good try. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> but it but it was always with that one theme in mind. We wanted to make sure that we gave him first place and really honored him, drew near with with affection to him, and and so that's what we learned to do. And when we uh, moved to Reading, that was already in some measure a part of the culture, uh, but, but not not the way it is now. <clears throat> so we we just. Uh, what it basically comes down to is if the Holy Spirit has first place, you know, I will have a plan for a service. I have, you know, X amount of time for worship and announcements and the message and ministry time and all those things. We have an idea of what we want to get accomplished. But all of it can go out the window in a heartbeat if the glory of the Lord shows up in a, in a way where we simply need to honor that and not move on. And I... I uh, I just don't care. I I have to I have to uh, lay down every good intention that I have at the feet of the one who shows up. Mm. And if he uh, if he honors that, if he you know leads me into preaching or offering or whatever it's going to be, that's wonderful. But if he doesn't, I don't care. Because, you know, I've only got one, you know, on the dashboard of my car, I've only got one, you know, one idiot light, so to speak. <laughs> you know, did, did, did God show up? And am I doing what he said? That's really the only thing I need to know. Wow. And uh, I've, I've got plans, and, I, you know, I've got a message. I've got, I'm doing my part. But, you know, I've, I've had times where just the presence of the Lord came so strongly that I, it would be a violation of his person for me to get up and talk. Wow. And so we'll continue to worship until that until that measure of glory begins to lift. I, I remember one meeting I was in Dallas when I walked into the I was at a conference there. I walked into the back of the sanctuary, seated about maybe fifteen hundred, two thousand people. I walked into the back of the sanctuary probably an hour before the meeting started, so there was hardly anybody there. I walked into the back door. I heard the word, literally, I heard the word deafness. <clears throat> and so I thought, well, uh, obviously we'll be praying for the deaf tonight. So when I was through speaking, it, it was a rather long message, and and I felt I was just to lead in a chorus. And so I did. I just began to uh, lead in a chorus and kind of gather everybody's thoughts from the message, you know, back to what the Holy Spirit was doing. And anyway... Um, the anointing for worship was so strong, I couldn't stop. And so I wow. thought, well, I'll sing one more song, and that's all. And and that continued for like 40 minutes. And I, I finally came to a place about 30 minutes in where I thought, well, we're obviously not going to pray for the sick tonight um, because I'm not going to violate this glory to do what I think we should do. I, I won't do that. And so I, I literally I laid it down in my heart. It was a healing conference, so while the the people in charge, the hosts, would have no problem with me changing direction, uh, there wasn't that pressure. But I felt the pressure on myself because I could feel the needs of the people in the yeah. room. Yeah. And uh, and so I just I literally I laid it down as an offering, and I said, "Okay, Lord, all we'll do is worship." And I I sang another song. This is all a cappella, but the anointing was so strong for worship. And then the Lord reminded me. Of the word deafness. I hadn't thought of it one time since the meeting started. Mm. It was like the Lord removed it from my consciousness. And he reminded me of the word deafness. And as soon as he did, I had the faith to move into that 
uh, into that part of the service without violating his anointing. He was letting me know, this is where I'm going now. Wow. And I, I stopped. I said, God is healing the deaf right now. And anybody with loss of hearing, we had, in just a few minutes, we had 82 people healed, including somebody wow. with a severed auditory nerve. 82 people. And during the ministry time, there's three more. So 85 wow. people in one meeting. I'd never seen that before. But it came at the end of a long message, extended time in worship, a cappella, and then he reminded me. I said deafness, and I knew I had permission. And as soon as we did, boom, it just, it just exploded. And it was like, you know, it's, it's why you follow him. You know, I, I, could, I could probably have us all pray for the sick out of the biblical principle of laying mm -hmm. hands on the sick. And, and we'd have a measure of breakthrough because he honors his word. But when you follow that glory, yeah. more happens in just a few minutes than would happen in a week of just living out of just the raw principle. So anyway, that was a huge, huge lesson uh, for so me good. that night. It's interesting because I think of like we're exploring the prophetic in the podcast. And one of the things that people have separated in modern times is the presence of God from the spirit of prophecy or from prophesying the gift of prophecy. And mm -hmm. you have mm -hmm. this whole theme in the Bible where, where the very first time the Holy Spirit's initiated in the, the New Testament outside of Jesus, they're prophesying in spiritual tongues, but it's because his presence came and abided in them. And you have, you know, Ephesians 1, 17, where Paul says, I pray that the spirit of revelation will rest on you so you can know Jesus. So there's this theme of like revelation before it turns into prophecy is the presence of God encountering us with revelation of Jesus, which never stops versus prophecies, which will cease, you know? So there's this whole thing where a lot of people, even in the Old Testament, almost every prophet, it, there was some Hebrew word connected about the presence of God before they prophesied. And I feel like a lot of people who... Um, in modern times have almost, you know, missed some of the connection being present with God the way you're talking about, because he's already present with us. So when you honor his presence, what can happen out of that is it creates these beautiful artistic moments that I've witnessed you personally steward so many times. It's one of my favorite things that you're not just a speaker, you're trying to steward the presence of God. And I've watched you like, you don't even come a lot of times. You don't, I, I think it's, you told me that you don't necessarily prepare for meeting. You just wait in the presence of God and get there and do what you do. Yeah, yeah, no, that's that's right. I would rather, I'd rather be current in my connection to the presence than to have something to say and have to try to find him. I just, I'd rather be current in that that consciousness of the Spirit of God upon me and in the room, so that I can follow the person instead of just try to, you know, try that's to find him, try to keep casting the lure till we get a bite, you know. Uh, <laughs> and to, you feel the difference having, when you're in a place where yeah. people are living a lifestyle out of, you know, being present with God versus people are living a lifestyle performance. It's so obvious. Yeah. And in your yeah. church culture, one of the things I really love that you're building is this theme in the culture of how does that work in the different ministry arms, but also how does it work in society and writing? Because you guys have about, I mean, yeah. I, I think it's roughly 10% yeah. of your city goes to your church, which is super yeah. unique. Yeah. Because that means you're, yeah. I mean, one out of every 10 people goes to Bethel, which is wild. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, it is. 
<laughs> I know yep. when I go there, I get that it is. I get some of the best prophetic encouragement just when I like drive through Starbucks or go to a restaurant. Someone's like, "Oh, you're Sean. <laughs> Can I pray for you real fast?" I'm like, "This is such a weird city. I love it. I mean, you're like in a normal place. I mean, I've been treasure hunted a couple times where, which is one of the models of evangelism we guys have, where I'm in the mall and someone's coming up and saying, "I was praying today and I felt like I was going to see someone who was, who was wearing a blue shirt. Can I pray for you?" And I'm like, "Absolutely." It's just such it's a unique so cool. environment because people are wow. constantly looking for the presence of God in the everyday, you know, world. And that's just the ministry centric yep. side, not necessarily the other kinds of stories, but it's so beautiful. Well, tell me this, tell me how, cause you've, you've obviously taken a lot of big risks in your life. Um, tell me some of the riskiest things God has led you to do by speaking to you. Oh goodness. <laughs> I was afraid you'd ask me that. <laughs> Everyone I, I ask I, tells me that my, their mind blanks out a little bit. Oh, totally. Mine totally blanks every time. I've never heard God. No. (laughs) (laughs) It's like we forget our best stories. Yeah. Yeah. What do you mean risk? Yeah. (laughs) Oh, you know, I I don't know. Um, I I can give you a a concept. I don't know if it's it's exactly. You're probably looking for a very risky. um, Because a lot of what I do has to do around healing. Uh, Certainly not everything, but a lot of it. there are times where, you, let's say you have somebody with a, a broken leg. Um, you know, you could use a principle of faith demanding an action, and you can have that person with a broken leg jump on it, but it, it wouldn't be, I will never use a principle of the kingdom to have somebody else take risk. Mm. I will only lead them to take risk if it's in the presence. Wow. And there are times where I'm in that glory, I'm in that presence, and I see somebody with that condition, and I've done this before, I've grabbed their hand and just start running. Wow. Knowing that that if it's not in the presence, this principle could actually uh, increase the damage and the injury. Yeah. But because it's in that presence, it's in that glory, there's there's a there's a different kind of a confidence. You're not you're not you know, you're not confident merely in the concept of how faith works. You're confident in the fact that he is here and he's directing. And so there's risk in a sense, but I'll never put anyone at risk out of a biblical principle. For wow. example, I've heard, I've heard preachers say, you know, uh, the woman gave everything she had and you're to give all that is in your bank account to my ministry and God will bless you. Well, the principle's true. But you can't put somebody else at risk out of a principle. Yeah, it's it's, so it's just good. it's not right, because it's it. I can manipulate a principle for personal gain, and it's just it violates the nature of the kingdom. But at the same time, I have to be willing to to have me and others live in a place of risk. But it will only be in that place of presence. And so I've done that. I've been in a place where where I grab the person's hand or I tell them jump on that or, uh, you know, uh, sit down hard on the, on the broken uh, tailbone. And, you know, there's just these kinds of moments where I don't know how to describe it. I can't ponder it because if I stop and analyze it, the faith will go away. <laughs> and so there's, 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 sure. there's, it evaporates. Exactly. <laughs> I open the drawer, I open the jar and whatever was in there just evaporates. <laughs> so, so Those I, are great I, I examples. I love that. Again, it goes back into the, the theme of presence, which I think is so... Yeah, um, that's I, it. I just think people haven't been educated enough in the way they pursued the word because they've been pursuing the word out of 
principle and not out of presence. And so I love that because there's that place that I've watched you do that many times. And I think people who listen to this podcast and then go to meetings or attend places where you're at will look for that. They'll look for like, what is Bill sensing? And then that becomes a model for how do I connect to God and have a relationship with God versus formula, which you are not a formula man at all. I mean, I've never seen you do a formula, <laughs> which is one of the reasons why I think I love you so much. <laughs> well, one, one last thing I'm going to ask you about, because you, I, I don't know if this, because we've never actually had the conversation what motivated this, but you actually are starting a, um, I don't know what it's called now, but a museum or a library of revival history. And so can you tell yes. us anything about that and why that started yeah, and what's in it? It's called the House of Generals. Love it. And um, it's uh, just a large collection. I bought Roberts Lairdon's uh, Library Museum. I've been collecting for years before that, and I've been um, collecting since I purchased that. And it just has uh, things that are connected to past moves of God uh, from, you know, a pulpit from the full gospel businessman to Catherine Kuhlman's gown, white gown that she would minister in to, you know, Jack Coe, uh, some of his materials, uh, wow. his office furniture. Uh, and it's just collecting anything I can get my hands on. Going back, one of uh, one of John G. Lake's preaching Bibles, and just anything I can get to highlight the the great moves of God through history. And one of the things that I uh, felt was a real mandate from the Lord was that we were to honor those whose lives ended poorly. I don't want to I don't want to ignore them because their life ended in scandal. Yeah. If they if they had a breakthrough in their lifetime that God was truly a part of, then I want to honor them. Uh, wow. The Bible does that with Solomon, so we need to learn from God's pattern. And um, and so that's what we're doing. So we're we're going to honor every revivalist that we can and their life and uh, celebrate who they were in God. Uh, it's not going to be a time to drag their name through the mud. Um, it's just going to be a time to celebrate what God has done in and through people. And uh, so the collection has been going on for quite a while. And we're in a building project now, so we're trying to sort out uh, where exactly we can put this library museum. But I think it's going to be pretty extraordinary. Um, we'll try to get all the books. Uh, I think it's like 12,000 volumes. And, wow. and I'm buying. I've got boxes in my office here of shipments that just came in. I'm constantly buying some old, old, old classic things from the 1600s. And, that's amazing. And, you know, yeah, just great revival. So that's what I'm interested in. I, I, and here's what I, here's what I felt the Lord say to me, is that I felt He told me that if we would honor these men and these women of God from the past, he would give us access to the grace on their life. He'd give us access to their anointing. And so I feel like the the way that we honor these people is really critical. And so we are, we're going to honor them. We're going to celebrate, uh, celebrate them, realizing they created a momentum that must affect how we do life now. Well, that is so special. And I know that a lot of people who already go to writing for one of your many events are going to come now, even for this, is to have a pilgrimage to just be around artifacts that remind them of people and the history that God's spent time with and spent time through. So it's so amazing. Well, tell us how to get a hold of you. What's the best website for people to connect to you? Because I want people to be able to follow around. I know you have e-courses and books, and you have, of course, the church as well alongside. But what's the best way? Lots of stuff. Um, probably Bethel, uh, Bethel.com. 
Um, my personal website is a bjm.org, and there's email addresses connected to both of those. Um, Bethel is the much broader picture, and you can actually access my page through the Bethel page, but you just get a whole bunch more on the Bethel page. So that's that's uh, certainly one way. And uh, on my personal page, I I send out a little newsletter and message and stuff like that every month. So I actually, I don't remember if I've ever promoted that, but it is there if anybody wants it. So. <laughs> it's great. I'm on it. I, I get to see you and you do videos and, and I'm blog and messages and it's great. Every time it feels like a point of, a personal point of contact with you. So it's really amazing for people who are connected. So Sheree and I read it to each other every month <laughs> or watch the video if you do a video. Well, hey, we love you. Thank you so much for being on. And I just feel like there's so many takeaways from just our time together and exploring God's voice. And you've just been one of the obviously pioneers in our generation for thinking outside the box of that. So I so appreciate you. But thanks for being on the podcast. Yeah, my privilege. Thanks, Sean. Thanks for listening to Exploring the Prophetic Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Bowles. And I want to encourage you to continue the conversation with us online at www.bowlesministries.com. We have exciting resources, e-courses, books, even children's materials to help you grow in the prophetic and go on a continuing journey of hearing God's voice. If you're enjoying this podcast, don't forget to subscribe and rate and tell all your friends. Join me next time where we explore the prophetic together.